All right. Good morning. Good morning. I tell you what, I do miss seeing some faces, seeing more faces when I'm preaching. I've gotten spoiled over the last couple months. Uh, since we've been outside, uh, since like June, it hasn't rained. And so we've been able to, to continue to worship together. Uh, but last night there was a 90% chance of a thunderstorm, so I didn't want anybody to get electrocuted. Um, but we are here today worshiping together, uh, even though we are in different places. We are going to be in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. All right, we're starting a, a new series today called Something Ain't Right. Something Ain't Right. See, one of the common things about this year is that everyone knows something is wrong in the world. Something is, is wrong with humanity. Now, we have major disagreements in all sectors of society. People are vehemently disagreeing with one another, but there is agreement on something. There is agreement in that something is wrong. And that's why we're turning today to the first three chapters of the book of Romans. And, and what, what the book of Romans is, is this grand scope, this grand plan of what God has done for us in Jesus. But the first three chapters really highlight the diagnosis of the problem. Now, what is not in dispute is that there is a problem, but we need to have an accurate understanding of what the problem is in order to correctly Address it. So the first three chapters of Romans, it diagnoses the problem that plagues humanity. And so we're going to take it verse by verse. Verse, we're going to start in Romans 1, chapter 1, verse 1. It reads, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh and was appointed to be the powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm asking that you would open up our hearts and our minds to understand the scriptures. Lord God, we, we can look in our world and we can see something ain't right. But Lord God, we need to listen to you. Lord, you have the message of hope and deliverance and power. God, you are glorious and good. You sit enthroned above the mess of this world, seeking to rescue people from the mess. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us with clarity this day. Open up your word and open up our hearts that we might understand, believe, and obey what you are teaching us through the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so as I told you, chapters one through three is a, is a uh, summary, a diagnosis of the issues that we see 
in the world. But but Apostle Paul, he he gives a, a, a mini summary of the good news in the first half of Romans 1. We're looking at today. That's very nice of him to do. It's like before you're going to open up this really horrible news, you go, hey, let me just tell you something good just so that you know that the bad news does not have the final say. Now, one thing that I notice is as you look in the scripture, as, as we move through the text today, we'll notice that the Apostle Paul speaks of the gospel in political terms. See, the message of the gospel has some political undertones in it. Now, maybe you might, might think this is strange, but, but here's the thing. We can see even in this election cycle that the hopes of leadership and good governance are at the heart of what people are looking for, for hope. Think about how deep the emotions run, how, how far the hope stretches, how, how disturbed the soul is. And as you can see in the conversations that are happening, we are looking for a good leader. We are looking for good governance. And ultimately that points to the ultimate hope of the human heart. Now, now Paul, he's, he says that he has some good news for the world. That's what it says in verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. See, that word gospel, we, we use it a lot. We sometimes forget or don't know what it means. But the word gospel, it literally means good news. But it is a particular type of good news. In Paul's day, it was a royal announcement about a king that he is reigning and defeating his enemies. See, this is a throwback to how Jesus described his ministry in his own words. In Mark 1.15, it says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. In other words, he's saying that with me, I am bringing God's good rule, his characters, and, and his blessing. You know, because we don't live in a kingdom, we, we don't see the, the political overtones of that. But, but if you were the king or the emperor in Rome and someone says, hey, there's a new king in town, you will go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's mine. See, we, we can see the, the overtly political overtones of the gospel. There is a good leader. A good program of management. He says, look, God's good rule, his character is here. And some type of prosperity that he is here to bless. Now you can see this kind of blending together of religious overtones with the political in the season that we're in right now. As I said, people are staking their hope in a person. Or a party. The announcement of God's king and his kingdom is needed because if you look around with open eyes and if your heart is somewhat tender, you can see the rule of evil. Right? The news reminds us of this. Problem here, problem there, disagreement there, uh, shots there. Like it's, it's a constant reminder that there is a power at work. That is contrary to that which is good. We can even see that there's a there's an atmosphere of of violence and suspicion. And sometimes it feels like we're living in some sort of curse. 
Right? I mean, we, we read the Bible that there's this thing called plagues, and then we're like in one. See, environmental crises, we see death. See, we need an announcement of something good because when we look around with, with eyes to see, we see problem upon problem and evil upon evil. See, in the face of what often feels like immense spiritual evil, God has decided to announce his victory over that evil. See, we need some piece of information that will bring about joy, peace, and stability amongst a, a, a world that seems as if it is constantly in flux. What's beautiful is God has set people apart to speak about this good news. That's that word apostle it means sent out one. Think about representative or ambassador. Paul saying, I am an official ambassador of the royal king, Jesus. And beloved, the reason he is going around telling this good news about this king named Jesus is that good news is not good news until the hearer understands it. Good news is not good news until the hearer understands it. See, see, in biblical times, you know, they didn't have like a Snapchat and, and Facebook and Instagram and text messages and phone calls. Messengers would have to travel long distances to share the announcement of the king's victory. This means that a victory that is good for people may have happened long before the people even knew about it, right? See, imagine if your, your country was at war and it was, it was a hard-fought battle, and, but you're not on the front lines, you're at home, and you're just thinking about all the various things that the country is defeated, what's going to happen to our people, our, our economics, are we going to, to be abused? Like, what is going to happen and then one day a messenger comes and says, hey, the king won. You might say, when? Well, about a month ago. I'm like, well, I had a month of anxiety because I did not know the truth about the victory. See, we see another uh, example of this phenomenon over, over the, the summer. There was a lot of talk about the holiday Juneteenth. It's, it's the holiday in which it commemorates in 1865 when Mayor General Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas, with the news that the slaves were free. Two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. See, the, the slaves were free, but nobody told them. See, if good news is not delivered to the hearer, we will live under the tyranny of the bad news. See, we need to understand, believe, and live like the good news of Jesus is true even in a world that might reject it. See, messages are, are constantly in the air to make you doubt the authority and the care of Jesus. Beloved, we have a higher authority, one who cares about you, who has all power in his hand. So not only that there's this gospel, this announcement. See, God has promised this king and kingdom long. Look, look at verse two. It says, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures. Again, it's not just today that people look around and think something isn't right. See, see, people back in the day, God's people back in the day would look around and like, something, something ain't right. See, hope, hope is based upon the premise that something you want is what you don't have right now. 
See, the, the idea of hope means that, that something is not perfect right now. And so when the prophets were prophesying and the people had hope about what God would do, that means that they realized where they lived right now wasn't right. But what's interesting is we have all experienced this deep groan in the heart for something better. You, you know what I'm talking about. Like maybe when you're, you're by yourself, you're like, ah, just I, I want something and I can't quite put my finger on it, but it doesn't feel as if I'm fulfilled. There's something that I'm longing for. See, God has promised in the Old Testament a remedy to the problems that plague humanity. See, the prophets promised forgiveness for the sinner, a new character for people who are bound by sin, the nearness and rule of the good God, and a peace that permeates humanity. The good news is the announcement that God fulfills his promises. Now, here's a beautiful thing, is that, that the good news of the gospel is not only that you and God get right, but God will establish justice and righteousness. Look at verse three. It says concerning his son. Right, this is the gospel concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord or king, who was a descendant of David, according to the flesh and was appointed to be the powerful son of God, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. See, one of the promises of God in the Old Testament was that he was going to establish a righteous, good, and just ruler. And we can see from 2 Samuel that he made a promise to King David that that ruler would come from his lineage. See, Paul, in, in, in verse 3, is picking up on that promise and saying, listen, you might have thought God has forgotten about justice and righteousness, but he has given us a king and a a judge from the line that he said he would. Listen, there, there are all these promises about this good king. And, and Jeremiah 23, 5, it says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will raise up a righteous branch for David. Listen, he will reign wisely as king and administer justice and righteousness in the land. Listen, the, the longing for a wise and just ruler is evident in the great hopes and the devastating disappointments we observe in the rise and fall of leaders. See, like, what, what's happening in the, in the human heart is, is, is we're asking, well, is, is it her? Is, is it him? Who, who is the person whom I can put my trust in who will fix the problem? Who can I, who can I trust wholeheartedly? Who will do what they will say and have the character to back it up, we're constantly searching for a leader that will do what is right and whom we can put our trust in, who will be wise and administer justice and righteousness. But, beloved, the good news is that one has come to establish righteousness and justice. That is Jesus Christ. When you think about righteousness, and justice, we, 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 I want you to think about two things. I want you to think about this personal righteousness and this public justice. That Jesus has come to affect personal righteousness. 
See, there's a coming king who will grant radical personal change. That's a promise no person can make to you other than Jesus Christ. See, he says he's gonna, he will bring you conversion that God would fundamentally change our hearts. The Bible describes it that before we know God, that we are dead in sins. We are trapped and bound in that sinful pattern. But when we know Christ, he brings us to life. And not only that, that as we continue to walk with Christ, he gives us sanctification, which means that God continues to make us more like Christ. Beloved, Jesus is the type of leader that can inspire and affect deep personal change. Who do you know that can do that? Not only that, he's a king that cares about public justice. See, there's a king that will set right the relationships in the world. See, see, injustice is is the the, the misuse, the, the, the abuse of various relationships, powers, and authorities, and we have this cosmic Christ who says, actually, I care about that too, and I will set that right as well. Now, you can imagine a man who says he possessed such authority would be a threat to those in authority. Beloved, our king was assassinated on the cross, but he defeated death. See, if you go back to, to, to verse four, just look at verse four for a second. It, it says this, it says, and was appointed to be the powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. It's like saying this, it's like Jesus, he says he was a king and when he died, people could have doubted. Well, maybe he wasn't who he said he was going to be. But when he rose from the dead, that was like his coronation or his inauguration that no one could doubt that he was who he said he was. That Jesus is the rightful king by his resurrection and his ascension. This resurrection means that death could not hold him, and if we trust in him, death cannot hold us. This ascension means that, that after 40 days with his disciples, that he didn't stay on the earth, but he ascended. And the scripture says that he ascended to the highest throne in the heavens. The ascension marks his entry into supreme authority over all creation. See, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus is the eternal marker that he is the rightful king and the victor over evil. And beloved, he has control over all things right now. He is the king that we can put our full hope in. He is the king who will not let us down. He is the king that sits on the throne right now. You know, if you're familiar with the scriptures, particularly the New Testament, you'll see that problems happen to the New Testament Christians all the time. Persecutions, disagreements, issues within the church. But you'll also notice that they had, as it says in Philippians, a peace that surpasses understanding. Where can you get that kind of peace? You get that kind of peace knowing that even though there's all types of stuff going on around you, 
messages of bad news, fear, doubt. Beloved, we have a king that sits on a throne above every other authority. That king says that he loves us. So even though things might not be as they should be, we can trust the one who has ultimate authority to deliver and protect us. Beloved, when you understand that Jesus Christ is the sovereign king over everything, not just one day, but right now, even if all of life is crashing before you, you can have confidence that the king who died for you rose again and sits in heaven. He even orchestrates all things for your good. That is the type of confidence that we can have in Jesus. You look at verse five, we can see that God wants faith and obedience among all people. Look at verse five, it says, through him, Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience Obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles. That phrase, obedience of faith, sticks out to me. See, what we see in the world is that people are lacking obedience to God and they're lacking good faith. And beloved, there is a relationship between faith and obedience. Let me, let me break it down to you like this. People do what they believe will be most advantageous in the moment that they do it. People do what they believe, what they have faith to be most advantageous in the moment that they do it. Now, what happens is we base our hope on something and we, we, we put our faith in something and it fails us and hurts others. Beloved, that is what sin is. Sin is you basing your hope on something other than Jesus Christ for pleasure, fulfillment, satisfaction, security, what have you. then sin reveals its ugly face to not actually get you what you want. Jesus restores a proper faith that produces obedience through the gospel. See, in the gospel, we see his power and his trustworthiness, right? God promised he would send a king. He sent Jesus who lived perfectly, proclaimed God's kingdom, his righteousness, his justice, was killed on the cross, but rose from the dead. He has fulfilled what he said. And he has power over everything. Why would I not trust in him? None has fulfilled their promises like him. See, faith in him produces obedience to him. Beloved, we are saved by faith, but that faith, that trust in him produces obedience to him. We also see that the news about Jesus restores these things, these blessings of salvation, this faith and obedience to all the Gentiles. That's that's a Bible word that means every type of person, all the different kind of people you can think about. See, we see sin and pain in this world dividing people from one another into warring factions. And God wants to bring people together through the obedience of faith. Everyone can have the same hope in the one king, no matter the background. 
Beloved, as different types of people see the glory of Jesus and they are inspired to obey him with their life. All these obstacles from different backgrounds are overturned. I have friends that literally we would not be friends other than Christ Jesus. There is nothing that connects us in culture, in race, nothing that connects us naturally except the fact that Christ has shown us his glory, has overcome our disobedience, and has united us together for the sake of his name. Lastly, we can see that the agenda of God's kingdom is to bless. We don't have a selfish king. Look at verse 6. He says, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ, to all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God sets people apart from the mess of this world. That's what it means to be a saint. We think about saying that someone who is perfect, but biblically, a saint is someone who is set apart. So, beloved, we are all in this mess contributing to sin and hate and judgment. And God snatches us out and says, no, I'm going to set you apart for something else. And God calls people. You know, when I, when I think about our relationship to sin, it feels like Stockholm Syndrome. You, you know what that is. It's when people are abused and they develop attachment and feelings for their abuser. So we fall in love with false hopes and destructive patterns that enslave us. Yet Jesus calls us out of our bondage, restores a right mind in us, and turns our heart towards God. See, theologically, this is called effectual call. That's when, when, when the, the sinner, when me and you are so overwhelmed, beloved, our natural inclination is to rebel, but Jesus Christ himself overcomes comes that rebellion and places willing faith in our heart that we would turn and trust in him. In other words, he snaps us out of it. Not only does he snap us out of it, he wants to pour out his love on us. See, in a world that too often reminds us of hate and affection based on conditions, God wants to pour out his unchanging love. Beloved, you are loved by God, called as saints. And then Paul ends the greeting like this, says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. Beloved, grace and peace is not something that you get one time. That is a part of the ongoing reign of the Lord Jesus in your heart. Beloved, you get grace, which means you have this continual forgiveness extended to you. Though you fail the king, the king grants you forgiveness. And grace is not just forgiveness, it's also power. That we have power to live for him today. And he says peace. You know, peace is one of those difficult things to, to define because we all understand that someone can have peace even when their situation is not peaceful. I think peace is a, a stillness in the heart a patient childlike trust in the Father. 
See, the problems of this world are great, but God has a solution. Jesus bought entrance into his kingdom. And the reason that we do not receive the benefits of the king is because we ourselves rebelled against the king. Get that. Our hearts are longing for someone to set things right. And when that one came into the earth, he was rejected by everyone. But in his rejection, he took the consequences of our rebellion, our sin, our shame. He took them on the cross. And he rose from the dead and he sits in heaven. The work of Jesus gives us a solid hope and peace in the mess of this world. We have hope in the long promised king who died for us and lives to reign and to bless us. Beloved, there there are all these things vying for the, the deep places of trust in your heart. Making promises that they may or may not keep. But in this moment where the the world seems shifty, we have to place our hope in the one who sits on the throne forever. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this good news and a bad news world? Number one is that we, through faith, listen to the good news. See, we can easily be led astray because of the onslaught of bad news. And this is how you know. This is how you know. If your heart and your emotions are going this way and that way, and your hopes and fears are rising and falling and rising and falling. Listen, do not let the world push you off of the solid ground of the hope of the gospel. We have a king. His name is Jesus. He died for us. He reigns. He will set all things right. And he protects us even right now. Nothing happens in this world without his permission. He is on the throne. Beloved, that means we we attune our ear to him in the scriptures, that we speak the truth of the unchanging gospel to one another. Secondly, it means that we would obey the king. We can trust his way because we know his love and power. I think what that means, particularly in this season, is that as we discuss serious issues to one another, that we reflect the character of the king. Beloved, there are serious issues being discussed right now regarding justice, regarding who's, uh, who, who matters, regarding life and, and, and the defense of peace. There are serious discussions. But beloved, remember, when I have trusted in the king of kings who sits on a throne with all authority in his hands, I can engage the variety of issues from a place of peace and stillness. My heart. Lastly, you can have hope and peace as you fulfill your responsibilities. See, all Christians are called by God to live faithfully in your house, in the workplace, in church, and even in regards to the government. But we can fulfill our responsibilities with peace and joy because we know that God has taken care of us. Love every relationship that you find yourself in, whether it's those within your household or those uh, within the context of you being a citizen of this country. Those relationships, those demands don't rock us to and fro. 
because we don't have to be overly concerned about ourselves. See, we have a God who loves us, who cares for us, a Jesus who sits enthroned in power. So the responsibilities, the decisions that we have are indeed serious. But we don't do the things that we do out of a sense of self-preservation. We do what we do out of a sense of promoting love and goodwill. Beloved, if Jesus is on the throne, if he calls the shots, he has my back. And I don't have to be run by fear or anxiety or frustration or all the various emotions that would try to take me away from standing on the good news of Christ Jesus. With all that being said, we have this opportunity to experience forgiveness, blessing, and assurance of the king right now. Blood, if, if you've never experienced this forgiveness, this assurance, this peace, this good news that makes you solid in a world that is shifting, he is calling you now to repent to turn from trusting in any other thing, whether it be something inside of yourself or something uh, that, that's out there, you, you would say, Lord, I don't want to trust in anything but, but, but you. And that we can have faith, faith that Christ died, that he rose, that he's seated on the throne, and that he will protect and care for us. Beloved, you can come to him today, run to him, and he will give you the blessings of the kingdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you are seated on the throne, which is the highest authority. Lord God, I pray that you would fill us with your joy and your peace. I thank you for giving us entrance into your kingdom. It's such a stable place to be. Lord, I pray for those who are listening who's hearts and minds do not feel stable, whose hearts and minds do not have rest. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that you would grant them rest, even right now, that they would trust in you, believe in you, and be encouraged by you. Lord, I'm asking you that as we go about the various responsibilities that we have, whether it be the member of a family, a workplace, a church, a citizen of this government, Lord, I pray that we would take those responsibilities that we have and use it to love and to serve others, knowing full well that you have our back and you will care for us. 